And today our celebration uh, continues as we rise up in prayer and turn our attention to yet another part of the world as we celebrate the mission and ministry of Bethania Kids, which, uh, as you heard, uh, began about 35 years ago uh, when nine orphaned children were placed into homes. And since that time, it has grown to reach literally thousands of poor, destitute, disabled, abandoned, and orphaned children, along with uh, widows and poverty-stricken women uh, through a number of programs and care centers in both southern and eastern India. And St. Andrew has been blessed to be part of the Bethania story in a very big way through the encouragement of people like Larry and David and uh, other members of the Bethania team. Next Sunday, uh, the celebration will continue as we welcome new members into our uh, congregational family. And then after that, as Pastor Nick said, it's on to Pancakes on uh, Shrove Tuesday, uh, Lent on Ash Wednesday, and then a series of midweek services here uh, at St. Andrew under the theme Walks with Jesus, uh, during which in lieu of the uh, usual sermons that you would be required to endure, I, this year, instead, will be interviewing five of your fellow church members about ways in which Jesus has walked through them through some unusual uh, circumstances and even some challenging times as a way of encouraging you uh, to think about how Jesus walks with you in yours. And so, uh, along with uh, Black Ministry Month, it is a big, busy, and uh, blessed time here at uh, St. Andrew uh, where there's an awful lot of good work going on, and I hope you'll be part of all of it. Uh, But in the context of our celebration today and our attention to uh, the ministry of Bethania and whatever other compassionate ministries you may be led to support here at St. Andrew or anywhere else in your life for that matter, uh, there's hardly a better verse than James 1.27 where James, as you heard, writes to the church and he says the true religion uh, that is acceptable and undefiled and pure, you know, before God, unblemished, unstained, True religion is this one thing, and that is to care for widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. I mean, that's just a mind-boggling kind of provocative statement, and yet, I mean, who could really argue with the fact that being a follower of Jesus is all about caring for the most vulnerable in this human family, of which widows and orphans would have made the top of the list in the first century patriarchal society uh, to which James was writing. Unfortunately, if the truth be known, uh, there's actually a problem uh, with this verse, that this passage, not to mention the entire letter of James, which it turns out uh, is one of the most uh, hotly debated and controversial books in the entire Bible. Uh, because it turns out uh, that there are teachings in the letter of James, including in the passage that you heard today, that appear to be in contradiction with other teachings that you find in other pages of the scripture. And so uh, there are some people who would argue, for example, uh, that while caring for widows and orphans uh, is good work and it obviously ought to be done, it is by no means the sum and complete substance of what James refers to as true religion, which is defined among other things as the things that we outwardly do in order to express uh, the faith that we hold. Because if that's all there was to it, then uh, what would become of things like you know church buildings and uh, worship services and uh, prayers and Bible study and fasting and offerings uh, that we make? Is that not also true religion? 
And has James uh, gone a little bit too far in reducing the whole Christian faith down to something that we might refer to as social work? Not that there's anything wrong with social work uh, by any means. And then to make matters you know, even a little bit worse, James makes a, an even more grandiose statement when he says to the church that faith without works is really no faith at all. And it cannot save you. In fact, the way he puts it in the passage you heard is, faith without works is dead. Whoa, that is a game changer, especially for the Lutherans. Because after all, you know, it kind of makes me think of this cartoon that uh, I found in one of my clergy magazines years ago that uh, depicted Martin Luther. And Luther has died, but instead of going to heaven, Luther goes to hell. And there he stands with his black academic gown on, staring into the fire, and the caption at the bottom of the cartoon says, oh, I guess it was good works after all. <laughs> because the thing is that St. Paul writes in his letters that the just or those who are justified or right with God live by faith apart from good work. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It doesn't say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and do good work and you will be saved. And Paul also writes that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that became the whole centerpiece of uh, the lives of people like Luther and the events of the Reformation in response to a church uh, that was wrapped up in good work or good works. And it's why we stand up here over and over again and tell you it's not about your performance, it is not about your obedience, it is not about your good work, it is all about Jesus Christ and the good work that he has done for us on the cross. And then here comes James daring to ask this question, can faith alone save? The implicit answer to which is, well, no. Which helps you to understand why at one point in his life, Martin Luther refers to the letter of James as an epistle of straw, which is a reference back to something St. Paul said about uh, building a house made of straw, which simply will not endure. And yet just uh, when it sounds like I'm trying to be a good Lutheran up here and uh, in doing so kind of throwing James under the theological bus, we also can't help but turn to the words of Jesus for guidance in the matter. And when we do, there we find Jesus saying things to people like, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well. Or it's another person, he says, that whoever believes in me will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Not he who believes in me and does good work, but he who trusts in me for everything. And yet that is the same Jesus who to another person says, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. And to another person, he says uh, that any tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down. It is thrown into the fire. 
And so the question is, which is it? Is it faith or is it works? Or is it faith and uh, works? Uh, did uh, Luther overreact? Does James go too far? Does the Bible contradict itself? Is Jesus really enough or is he not really enough? Is there something more that's required of us? Very important questions leaving us with one more, which is what does that do and where does that leave the orphans and the widows and the, all the other things that I thought I was supposed to do in order to be truly religious, to outwardly express the faith that I hold in my heart. Well, fortunately, there are uh, a few things that I think uh, will help us put all of this together. Uh, one of which has to do with the fact uh, that the letter of James was written to uh, a group of Jewish Christians uh, who scattered and fled the city of Jerusalem because they were being persecuted. And they formed a diaspora of people throughout Asia Minor. And James writes this letter uh, to the diaspora, which always has been seen as less of a theological textbook or a treatise where doctrine and theology has developed and is seen as a very simple guide for living the Christian life. In the context of uh, relationships, in the context of behavior, in the context of caring uh, for one another. And so it is, a, it is a book that doesn't develop serious and detailed information about how we get saved and the, and the nature and the work of, of Jesus Christ that is left for other books in the Bible. In addition to that, it may interest you to know that uh, the scriptures, as I said last week, include many figures of speech. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus used metaphors and he called us salt of the earth and light of the world to describe who we are. Sometimes he used similes to say, the kingdom of God is like this. Sometimes he even used hyperbole, which was an exaggeration for the sake of a truth. But James also uses a figure of speech in the passage in front of us today. It's a lesser known figure, and it's called a synecdoche, which I hope Mangesha will be studying in his course on biblical interpretation this semester. And a synecdoche is uh, simply a, a figure of speech in which one whole thing is described by just one of its parts. Or one part of something describes the whole thing. And so if you say to your friend, uh, I'm going to the movies, well, you're not going to the movies. You're going to a movie, one movie in a place where all the movies are shown. In the Gospels, we're told that after supper, Jesus took the cup. Well, he didn't just take the cup. He took the cup with the wine of the Passover inside the cup so that one part of something actually describes the whole thing. That's what James is doing when he says the true religion is serving, it is caring for, it is visiting orphans and widows in their distress because that part of something represents the whole life that Christ calls us to live in our relationships, in our behavior, in our care for one another. And it also helps to you, you to know that when you don't quote Luther out of context, what he really said was that the letter of James is a, a letter of straw compared to the other letters 
which give us much more detailed information about salvation, about the person, about the work of Jesus Christ. But that uh, James is a, a very important letter because it is a guide for knowing the will of God and living that way. And then with respect to this whole question of whether it's works or whether it's faith, uh, Luther also kind of saves the day with one little expression uh, that he gives to us that uh, uh, sounds a little bit different in German, but in English it basically goes like this. Faith alone saves, but faith is never alone. Faith alone saves, but faith is never alone because faith works. Faith does works. Faith does good work. Not in order to get saved, but because we already are saved. And so faith is an expression of our response to the love of God, and that makes it true religion. I mean, if, if you love somebody because you know the enormity of their love for you, well, you know, then you normally want to do something about that. You want to demonstrate it in some way. And that's what true religion, that's what ministry in Christ is all about. And so supporting compassionate ministries like Bethania Kids or any of the others that you may support here at St. Andrew or anywhere else in your life is motivated by two things. One, it's a response to the grace of God because faith alone saves, but faith is never alone. And number two, it is a way of bringing that grace out into the world of need, including those who are most vulnerable among us. Because here's the thing, as the children of God, we're not just religious do-gooders. There is a higher purpose to what we do. And that higher purpose has to do with helping the orphan to know that they are adopted into the family of God. Helping the widow to know that there is a place in a church the Bible calls the bride of Christ. Helping those who are broken to know that the hands and the feet and the care and the voice and the provision of Jesus Christ are with them. Because those are the game changers that make all the difference in the world and turn it upside down for every person and every need. And so it's been a while since I've thought about it, but, uh, you know, there's a story that's always captivated me, uh, and it's entitled The, S the Star Thrower, uh, which was written in the uh, late 1960s as part of a longer essay by the anthropologist and author Lauren Isley. And the story goes that one day a man was walking along the beach, and off in the distance he sees this shadowy figure moving from one side to the other. And as he gets closer, he sees that the figure is picking something up and running it into the ocean. And when he finally uh, comes up to this younger man, he introduces himself and he asks him, what are you doing? And, and the man says to him, well, I'm throwing starfish into the ocean because the tide's going out and they'll die here on the beach if I don't do it. The older man says to his new young friend, but there are miles of beach, thousands of starfish. How can you possibly make a difference? After listening politely, the young man picks up a starfish, he runs to the water and he throws it into the ocean. He turns to his new friend and he says, I just made a difference for that one.
See, it's people who bear the name of Jesus. The star thrower is our call from the one who calls himself the bridegroom of the church, who adopts us into the family of God forever so that we might extend his grace into this world because to him every life is precious. Every life is of infinite value. And we have his power through our actions and through his word in us to make all the difference in the world, even if it is one person at a time in a world of so many. And if there's one thing that I have learned in my time here at St. Andrew is that this community is loaded with star throwers. In a place where faith is not dead, but is in fact very, very much alive and where I get to see the evidence of true religion every single day through acts of compassion here in this church family and to people half a world away, even as we also worship together and pray together and study together and we give offerings of time and treasure and uh, substance for the glory of God. And so with thanksgiving uh, for all of that and for uh, all that God has enabled to you to do, not to get saved, but because you already are, because faith alone saves, but faith is never alone. It always works, always does good work. I leave you with the words of yet another reformer by the name of John Wesley, who summarized today's passage with these words. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in every way you can, for all the people you can, in every place you can, as long as you possibly can. Do it in response to grace. May God bless you as you keep up the good work. And by his power in your life and in our ministry together, make all the difference in the world. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.